Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood coming up. If you like what you hear, go to redsearadio.org, click on the donate button, and become a monthly sustaining member. Please support us. Thank you, and God bless. Searching for clues to discover God's mysterious plan for your family? Then don't change that dial. Join us now in our discussion of the mystery of parenthood. Here are your hosts, Trey and Stephanie Cashin. Good morning. Uh, this is Trey, and I've got Thaddeus with me. Um, today we're going to be talking about St. Joseph, and it's going to be kind of a man's day. Stephanie, we had, we had, to, we had a... Uh, problem with the old air conditioning and she's that having to be there for, for that yeah that's a big bummer so hopefully it's fixable but good day to to uh, invoke our patron saint of this day may 1st saint joseph the worker yes it is right. those, and, uh, those guys that are going to be working on the air conditioning yes so um anyway let's begin with the prayer then in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit amen lord god from you every family in heaven and on earth takes its name father you are love and life through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love... Strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. We ask this of you who is life, truth, and love with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. St. John Paul II, pray for, pray for us. us. Holy Family of Nazareth, pray, pray for, for us. us. And St. Joseph the Worker, pray, pray for, for us. us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Yeah, so May 1st is, uh, we thought it would be good. We talked about jo- Joseph, St. Joseph not long ago. March 19th is Mar- feast day. March 19th. It's kind of a sandwich. That's the, the, the I always looked at it from March 19th to May 1st. May 1st, um, you, you start with him as the husband of Mary, and then and this is him as worker. Um, I'm not saying this is it, but I always look at it. You know, your husband first, and and worker second. But both are meant to be held in esteem. Yeah, so, yeah. So that's good. That's good. Um, so the church puts it in that order. Um, I think purposely, but that's just me talking here. But but I do think that we have to remember that that work is at the sub. You know, subject to our higher vocation which right. is to be which is to be a husband. Well, we know another reason why the church adopted that day as St. Joseph the Worker May 1st. That's May Day and yeah. that was taken up in the beginning Oh, you're the history guy. Early 19th century you know, 1810s, 1820s in there, certainly by the publication of the Communist Manifesto 1848 by Karl Marx, Frederick Engels. That was claimed as International Working Man's Day. Right. Uh, the communists formed the Communist International. Now, this is not the, at this point, this is not the Soviet Bolsheviks and communism as we think of it in, in the 20th century, but that's what the original movement was called, communism with a small c. And they chose that day as a day to, it was, it was designed to get um, working men and, and women uh, out in the streets, uh, demonstra- demonstrating, marching, uh, public speeches, sometimes um, could take the form of, you know, walking out of out of work. In fact, for most of those people, they would be walking out of work if it wasn't on a Sunday. Wow. Um, so they'd be they'd be missing a day of work, possibly risking losing their their jobs. But it was it was intended to get to organize workers and get them to protest against um, industrial working conditions, wages, wow, wow. treatment, things think, like that. And I think that that's, I think it does, and we had talked about this maybe uh, before we started, but um, I think that points to what the church does try to do is, is take something that's true. People deserve a just wage. People deserve 
to to be able to balance life and their employers should take into account their right. their needs and that that is part of catholic social teaching has always been right but but i think the cool thing is is that the church will often take something and say okay yeah you've got this right work working is is something that we're meant to do that we're mm-hmm. put on this planet um, to do that God entrusts that work and it's our participation and our cooperation with him and doing those things that mm-hmm. that can make it holy but also maybe by giving Saint Joseph who from all accounts I mean he was known as a carpenter he must have been a pretty good carpenter but you didn't have he was a very quiet worker I guess yeah. you know he, he he went to work and supported his family and right. and did it but you don't hear much about um, right. that. And so I think maybe the church is like setting up in contrast, Hey, you got this right. Um, and I, we want to honor that. Right. And that's where the, the, <clears throat> the errors in communism come in because what more importantly, what Marx and Engels were advocating for is, see, they saw agitating for, improvements in wages and improvements in working hours. They called that trade unionism. And they thought that that was um, just small potatoes stuff. Yeah. And that if workers uh, got those concessions, if they earned those things, they would eventually be, they would be placated and they would not, they would not rise up and go for the whole enchilada, which Marx and Engels saw as, resting the means of production, taking private property from the hands of Uh, owners of businesses, owners of um, mines and um, things of that, you know, capital organizations, uh, industrial organizations. So workers kind of take take over. To take over that, to control the means of production themselves— uh, redistribute wealth. ownership wealth in a in a radical uh, absolute way wow. that's what yeah so i and and, the, and, and so that then what the church catholic social teaching has always maintained is dignity of the human person dignity of the worker but there's also a fundamental intrinsic right to private property human beings have a right to Right. Own. And you know, you'll see, and just as maybe come up, I've heard people, you know, talk about the early days when they say that, you know, they had, you know, we just read this not long ago in the Acts of the Apostles where they held everything, you know, in in common. And I've heard people say, well, see, there were, you know, socialists, communists, and that. And I said, but no, but the difference is, and you see it, and what's happened is people freely of their own will took that and gave that. And in fact, the one that would, they get in trouble. That married couple that comes and they and they they had withheld half of it, but had said they were giving, it, giving it all. They got in trouble. The church would have been fine if they hadn't given it all. the The problem was is that they were trying to tell them that they had given it all, and right. they were lying. Right. Instead of doing that, there was no there was no sense that like okay, come pile your stuff up here. It was that everybody wanted to give, right. and that it wanted to be shared among the people. So that's not a you know a proof of a Catholic communism or anything like that, which I've heard people or Christian communism, that's, that, that's, that runs counter to, that's not what it was. There was the dignity of the person. And if they owned it for them to give it away freely was to be in a way, in a sense, you know, being made in the image and sharing in the image of Christ himself. It's something he didn't have to give up, but he gave up freely for the sake of the others. And that's the proper understanding of of that. The other thing is, is that I love. It's, it's always good on days on days when you have. And there's a couple of readings I want to read, but on the days when you have a um, a saint recognizes to look at, um, is to look at what are the readings for the day, and if you look at May first, um, it starts off with, and I think this is really. Cool. St. Joseph the Worker, it starts off with Genesis 1, 26 through uh, 2, 3. And, and basically that is, you know, and then God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness 
and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth. And so man, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them and blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And I think, you know, some people might say, well, what does that have to do with Joseph? Well, what it has to do with is a couple things. One, male and female, he created them. God could have come in lots of different ways. He chose to come, Jesus in his incarnation, co- chose to come into a family with, right, right. with, a, with, a, with a father, I mean, air quotes there, but I mean with, with, a, with a foster father mm-hmm. um, and with a mother in an ordinary family. Um, and so this, again, is echoing that, you know, work is at the service of two things, I think, being fruitful and multiplying, subduing the earth and, and, and recognizing and playing out in whatever we're participating in in work, this entrustment of God uh, to man, by God, to man of, hey, you're going to cooperate with us in doing it, but then also this immense dignity that man receives by being made in his image. And part of that image is male and female going to work and doing that, multiplying, um, subduing, the, all those type of things, and together. And I think, I, think that's, I think that's important to remember that that's part of our dignity. Work is... is in and of itself, I think it sounds like May 1st and that it sounds like work becomes like the top line, like it's the most important thing. It's not subject to anything. In fact, I guess as a sign, it's it's saying we don't want to be subject to anybody or anything, which again, I guess, fosters that atheist view. If we look at it, I mean, ultimately, our work is meant to be subject to God's plan for it. We're cooperating with him and using our talents and gifts and all that kind of stuff. Um, all the things that he's given us for the sake of um, fulfilling this mission that was given to man in the beginning. I don't know if that, if that makes sense. Yeah. But I, but I think, you know, soon after that, I, I also think that this is important to remember. I've, I've heard, often heard, you know, people talk about the fact that, that work is part of the curse. You know, work is part of the fall. And that's just not true. And that's why the church holds that work is a good thing. And why do they do that? Because before the fall, this is in Genesis 2, it said the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to till it and keep it. So even from the beginning, prior to the fall, prior to original sin, he put him in there to till it and keep it, which would make sense because he just ordered them, subdue <laughs> subdue it, multiply, use your gifts and talents to make this a better place and cooperate with me and subject yourself to me in the order I've done here. But at the same time, I could do all this, but I'm sharing that and the, the dignity that comes with that with you. And after the fall, after that, you know, uh, happy fault <laughs> that happens, you can listen to God talking to Adam and he's, you know, Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth to you. And so the fall is not that work stops or not that, that if we hadn't fallen, we wouldn't have to work. What happens is is that the that our work becomes filled with thorns and thistles. Now, mm. I mean, I, you know, I used to, I remember gardening at one point. <laughs> and, you know, the weeds and all the stuff that would grow around if you didn't take care of it. I always looked at that as just, you know, why why can't we just have these nice, you know, tomato plants grow up and not have to worry about all the stuff that we have to do. And oftentimes, you know, having to work with it is difficult. Well, part of the fall and part of living in a fallen world is that something good, which the church would say work is good, man is meant to work, has been kind of because of what we chose to go against go against God that we have these problems that come up, these thorns and thistles that come up and things don't always go as, at least that's my, that's my, in my 50 some odd years and, and you know, how many years I've been working, 
you know, frequently things don't work out as I planned. Frequently I, I, I go about my business of, of doing my work and then something unexpected sometimes <laughs> will cause it to be a harder process or a harder thing to accomplish than that. And that's something that's part of, part of the fall. And anyway, so work is good. The church says work is good, and that's why the church honors St. Joseph as the worker to point to the fact that, that in its beginning, in the beginning of creation, um, it was meant to be something that man and woman did, that we, that we did that. And so we should look at work as not something that's a punishment, but something that's a participation in what God has for us. And so I think, I think it's important to remember those, those two things. One, that idea of the church, as you point out, May 1st, taking something that maybe had distorted the truth about work and then saying, okay, but you're getting work, you're right about some value to work and the dignity of the worker let's redo it. And so this critical assimilation, you know, that you, you, you take what is true from anything secular outside of that, and you can take the truth and then baptize it, so to speak, take the truth and point out, Hey, you got this right. Um, like we've talked about, like around, you know, the, the fall and, and, um, uh, Halloween where you have, you know, a lot of people looking to death and skeletons and, and those type of things that, that there were a lot of, because things were dying. I mean, that's, you know, that time of year is winter comes, things that, so they'd have pagan rituals that would, would talk about death. And, and so the church being like, would take, you're right to be thinking about dying. That's, that's something, but here's why, and here's what death really means. Mm -hmm. And so the church has always been good about taking stuff and we should, that's, that's really, that's really an encouragement to us and a challenge to us to not be afraid to engage the culture on, Hey, you got this right. Uh, you know, this right. This is how I tweak it to make it more in line with what's true. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, the American experience is, uh, implicated in, in the feast day as well, because, um, when it was proclaimed, part of what the church was doing under the, uh, influence of Pope Leo the 13th and his, document rerum novarum which was that's the first encyclical of uh, kind of the founding document for catholic social right. teaching um which is not that long ago no no yeah. that's eight i think 1891 i want to say is yeah Novarum. it was late late 1800s for sure um well the most advanced industrial countries in the world germany britain the united states certainly by that point probably over almost overtaking those two European countries by that point. France is in there as well. Um, Belgium, pretty industrialized. Um, certainly in the case of Germany, France, their working classes were um, Catholic or had been a sig significant portion of, of Catholic uh, population. But the United States especially, it's that's the time of the great immigration, right? Uh -huh. The first wave of immigration. Um, or, sorry, the, the, the second great wave of immigration. But by that point, you've got, you know, you've got an a American working class that's largely composed of Irish Americans, German Americans. Then you've got these new immigrants of the Slavic peoples from Central and Eastern Europe. So Poles, Czechs. Czech. Bohemian, Slo Slovaks, you know. A few of them are in um, <laughs> Right. <laughs> Italians, yeah. okay, Greeks. Um, lot, so you've got a big Catholic working class population in the United States. So the point I'm trying to get to in a tortured way is the church recognized that its, its flock was the major, um, was kind of the, the group in society that was maybe getting the least from the new industrial system, uh -huh. but putting a lot work into it, a lot of work into it, literally speaking. Right. And they were being influenced by these socialist and communist theories and, and agitators 
and that their faith was being put at risk because, right? You know, Marx, Engels, for instance, atheist, um, many of those socialist and communist um, advocates were were very uh, irreligious, anti-religious, um, and so there was a there was a sense of recognizing that the new social and economic situation coming on the scene was was a threat to the continued faith and the handing on of the faith of these people wow. because their material needs and their material uh, circumstances and the jeopardy that jeopardy that they were in in those situations was being a addressed, at least in part, um, by groups that really didn't have their best interest at heart in terms of encouraging them to hang on to their their faith, to continue to practice their faith. Uh, and so I think the, the Church recognized that it needed to speak more boldly, speak more authoritatively on what was good and what was not good about this new right. economic and social system that was coming on to the to, to the stage, and the feast of Saint Joseph the Worker was one way of of doing that. Yeah, I think, and that's really important because I think to to understand kind of that history because because again, I think so many people, and this is one of the great things, and I and I'll I'll use the I'll use the what you'll hear at if you go to mass on May first. Uh, today you, you'll you'll have you'll have this one um this is jesus heading back into his own country and he and he's teaching in the synagogue and that they were astonished and he said and these people said what did this where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty work mighty works is not this the carpenter's son and is not his mother called mary and are not his brother james and joseph and simon and judas and are not all his sisters you know and going through all this whole thing and about them just having seen him, mm-hmm. and there is a there is there is this aspect. The reason they're they're amazed is because he looked like any ordinary carpenter. <laughs> I mean, it was the ordinariness which which they had seen him for thirty years or however long he was there, seventeen years. And I think again, it, it obviously men- mentions the carpent being the carpenter's son and Jesus's relationship to him. But he's identified as a carpenter. He's identified by his work, and that work is so ordinary. How could somebody come with this great teaching and just be ordinary? And I think part of the problem is, is many of us. I, I mean, say we we tend to think that you know God's things are going to be magnificent. They're going to be something that's outside the ordinary. Something just and and I think what. The incarnation says, and a feast like this, and readings like this point to, no, amazing things happen in the ordinary. That that we're the ones that tend to think that it's got to be the extraordinary, the great, the 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 stuff that makes a lot of money, a lot of noise. Everybody goes, wow, that. When in fact, everything that we see about the incarnation is is that the people who are confused are the ones that hold to that opinion mm-hmm. the people who are recognize him for who he is don't talk about as a negative hey this is the carpenter's son why would we listen to that guy Th- that's not even part of the equation right but it points us to the fact i think that that we need to recognize that in our ordinary work and that can be many things. I mean, that can be folding clothes, doing the yard, whatever you do. If, as, if you leave home, I mean, it could be cleaning up. Um, it could be cleaning the dishes, but it also could be being a banker or running a radio station or, or whatever it is. There's nothing that is not meant to be of value to God in your participation in that no matter where in the chain and, and in America, I think you can get it wrong. You know, the, 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 where you need to be is at the top of the, where all the capital is, you know, at the top of the things. And then you have all these minions down here who are doing it. What the church says is no, everybody's got their role to play. If that's where your gifts are, 
then that's it. But you, but the, you can't get it done without the workers. Uh, but in fact, you're working too. So it's kind of a reconnecting of, it doesn't matter what we do. It's the way in which we do it. It's going back to the beginning and saying, whatever work I'm tasked with, whatever work that I have the gifts and talents to do that God has given me, see it as what God has given me, and then recognize it as part of what I'm meant to do to make this world a better place. Not just to collect a paycheck, but by the way, that's not a bad thing. <laughs> we got to pay for a place to stay and food for the kids at the table. That, that's good. But not just that, it, that it is some in some way really participating in God's plan to do those things because somebody's got to do them. <laughs> you know, oftentimes my kid, you know, pass, I'll, I'll see something that had been left undone. And I don't know if I got it from my mom or whatever, and I'm not always the one that do it, but, but it, it hit me one day. Like if I walk past something that I know needs to be done, somebody's got to do it. Mm-hmm. Just do it. I mean, my, you know, myself, I mean, if somebody's got to do it, why not me do it? If I can do it. And, to recognize that as something that can be offered to God, that small thing, picking up a, you know, something off the ground that, that is dropped or a piece of dirt or whatever that's down. You know, somebody's got to pick that up. Somebody's got to take care of that. Why not let me get out the broom, sweep it up, and bring it? But we don't want to diminish it because of how menial it is. I think, you know, the great thing is John Paul II wrote, you know, wrote a book on human work. And if you look at his life story, he spent, I mean, he broke rocks <laughs> in Poland, mm-hmm. right? I mean, and that's kind of where he gets that background that, 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 you know, he's doing something that looks so meaningless. You're just pounding on rocks and, and moving, moving stuff. I, I think it was maybe as part of the, the Nazi, I, the Nazi being, being there in Poland. I'm yeah. not, I'm not that familiar with what the circumstances were, but I think that's where he saw this man who's a great thinker, who's a theologian, who who really so much of his work is the writings that we read and, and the way he taught could relate to the the person who just is doing something that seems so menial, so n- not spiritual, so not part of the plan. And he went to great lengths to say you can have a great prayer life living that out you can that that can be part of your prayer recognizing that that work that rock that needs to be broken into smaller pieces if i don't do it who's going to do it somebody else has got to do it so the fact that i embrace it freely and say i'm going to do this it can be offered to god it can be something that's willed as an offering to him if that if that makes sense, but I think it's you know fascinating that a that a man who is such a mental and spiritual giant, so often um, because of his love for the incarnation in Jesus and recognizing uh, this, can look to the just the mundane. The well, how does this have value? He it all has value is what he wanted to say. So there's we we have to embrace that as Catholics, and it has to be part of our spirituality. To recognize, and on this day, it's a, it's a great day, that being a carpenter or being a plumber or being whatever it is that you are, a janitor, a, a yard man, the CEO of a great company, president of the United States, it doesn't matter. All of that work is something that's been given to you by God to get done that's your place there to be able to do it. So do it with excellence. Do it with uh, a love for God, do it, recognizing it, right. and not and not griping. And I think that's that's an interesting point of um, confluence between some of some of Marx's insight into um, the capitalist mode of production, the way the way things are made, right, and and uh, who owns right. things, um, and how wealth is distributed. And what the church says about work, that it's kind of what you're outlining here is that it's it's some way connected to your to your dignity. It gives you meaning, it gives you purpose as a human being, the kind of work that you do. You've used the you've used the example from the film The Passion of the Christ before of yeah. that flashback scene where Christ is so intent on making that table be perfectly level and perfectly straight. 
and he's smiling and, okay. and yeah. But so that's that satisfaction of a job well done that I use my talents, my God-given talents and the, and how they've been honed by uh, mentoring and training to do something that's beautiful, that's um, that's perfect. Okay. Right, and there's and there's something cool about that that, that extends to this this particular feast right. day. Is he would have learned that that he would have learned that as from a, his foster from father. his foster father from Joseph for him. It would have been modeled. Hey, right. we're going to do a good job at this. If right. We're going to mow the yard. We're going to do a good job. If we're going to pull the weeds from the garden, we're going to do a good job. If we're, whatever we're going to do, because we're doing it for God. Saint Paul says says as much. Whatever you do, whatever task you undertake. Do it as if it was being done for the Lord, because that's who you are working for. So there's got to be this reconnect. That I, you know, everybody that I know, including myself, you can get caught up in like who I work for and what do I do, and and maybe the people that I work directly for, maybe you know I don't agree with, or we have something, or I don't like the way things are. I'm I'm not talking. I'm talking generalities here, but but what I'm saying is is that I think. When we start to see it as even those thorns and thistles, which may come in the form of, you know, uh, laws that get in, you know, the newly newly passed laws that get in the way of you getting your job done the way you'd like to, and maybe they don't, to see them as the thorns and thistles that that are part of the fall, but because of what Christ has done, I can work within those and even offer those as small sufferings, small crosses to God and still try to do the best job I can for the people that I serve, um, even in the midst of those thorns and thistles. And I think, again, I think part of being Catholic, part of being Christian is to take seriously the fact that there's something about our humanity and the common, the commonalities, no matter what we are, no matter how smart you are or how educated you are, or, or if you just are working and have never finished high school. Everybody has dignity in and through the work that they can, that they do and how well they do it. And if they do it and offer it to God as a participation in the very beginning, even the thorns and thistles can be offered. Even those things that don't work out the way you want or, or that become things that are obstacles you to getting things done that well, if that was just gone, I could just do it much more quickly all of those things become things that can be offered to God and that are acceptable to him. Right. And the dignity is found in living in and through that, even in the midst of those problems, and to see it as that. So to have a kind of a Catholic view is to kind of see this small thing that I'm doing now is really connected in some way to the big plan that God has, and that while it seems small, if I can unite it with what Christ did on this planet and in and through his passion, death, and resurrection, that there can be value in that, which we've talked about before. Right. But I think it's part of the message of, of work as being something dignified, something that, that actually we're, we're meant to do. It's good for us. It is, a, it is a participating in the image and likeness that we were given to as human beings to do this. In fact, that's how God, I mean, you look at the, you look at the creation account. I mean, it's all spoken as he's doing this work, you know, right. and putting it all together in nice, in nice order. Well, that, you know, there's a, there's a uh, anthropomorphic <laughs> where there it's, it's told so that we can understand it from the standpoint that like, like somebody putting something together. Well, we're sharing in that image when we're putting something together, when we're doing whatever it is, when, when we're putting together a better looking uh, flower bed or um, fixing a door that's got a hole in it or whatever it is. And I think it's important as parents, just like St. Joseph did, to show that to our kids that no matter what it is that we're doing, we want to do it well because really we're, we're doing it not for whomever we're doing it only, but it, but primarily we're doing it for God himself, and we can offer that to him. Right. I, I think that the point I was ma trying to make earlier about, because I don't want to leave something out there that yeah, might, yeah, tie it up. <laughs> might, might sound uh, incorrect. So some of 
Marx's earlier writings, he was he was very in touch with this idea that the new um, mass production, um, industrial production of goods was alienating the worker from the thing that he produced. But there, but that when somebody works with their hands in a small shop and they've wow. they've learned that skill at the side of a master craftsman like our Lord would have done, they're tied into that, to that work being something that is of their own hands. You know, it's handiwork. And they have that, that satisfaction and that sense of putting themselves into that work. But when they're, when they're kind of divorced, like you said, from the end, from the end product and it work turns into drudgery, it turns into, um, mind numbing, uh, you just don't, you don't see that you don't see what's going to happen. So it becomes yeah. just, you're just doing, you're just doing a, a repetitive action. You don't understand, you don't have any connection to the finished product. Um, that that was actually very, very destructive for the human, for the human person. Wow. And so in that respect, I mean, there those two analysis uh, analyses of the economy are are coherent, right? They're yeah, onto absolutely. something. Um, where it gets off the rails is these other claims about private property being needing to be forced forcibly redistributed. Uh, there not being any private property. Um, well, then, on, there, like isn't there that. a sense in which? Um and again, you're the historian, on, particularly on this. So maybe Not a very good one, but, but <laughs> certainly better than me for sure. Uh, but you know, every there was a sense of okay, if you if we do this, and everybody's going to have whatever they need going forward, kind of in a forced sense, mm-hmm. not because of an engagement of the human will, but because the government or somebody's going to come in and 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 extract that so that everybody can have it. And I think. There's a twofold thing too that diminishes the dignity, and we're we're actually experiencing it currently. I think, in in the sense that we're not, you know, oftentimes we're just providing what somebody needs, thinking that that's it. When in fact, what people need to do is to have recognize that work is important and help them participate in that. Because even at a minimum, even if you don't see, even if it's some piece you can't see the end product, but you can but you're able to make money for your family. There's something about that, that, that not only is dignified, but that you can take some sense of in the best sense of the term pride in doing that. Right. I'm, I'm doing this for the sake of my wife. I'm doing this for the sake of my children, for a place for them to stay, for food, for them to eat. And we have to be integrated. I think to be Catholic is this, is this sense of being integrated where all the stuff that we do Kind of falls under God, but but it but it there's nothing that we do that can't be seen as having some meaning, right? Um, even those things that it's not as apparent <laughs> to us, um, it has meaning. But it's not that hard to say that as opposed to going and picking up a check from a government, I'm being provided the food that I need. That most men, most women would say, I'm grateful for that, but I really want to participate in that process of getting me and my family what I need to sacrifice my time, my effort, my brains, whatever it is, for the sake of providing that. I mean, there. I think that's where we get in this kind of this minimalist sense that all I really need as a human is a place to sleep and some food. And that work is just a means to that. And if I can get away without doing the work, that's it. But I don't think that's the way we're made. Even from the beginning, we're made to experience the dignity that comes from actually participating in that, you know, in working. And so we as parents, I think it's really important for, for our kids to learn the value of doing something well, the, the, the value of, of working to get something cleaned up or whatever. Mm-hmm. And from the very beginning, and if Stephanie was here, I think, you know, when we do playtime in a, in a little playpen, you know, when they'd have stuff out the, for, the, for the kids to be at the end – to help them pick up and then to, you know, have it really nice and neat and then show them and then say, Hey, you did a great job. Even though 
part of the job was done by us maybe picking, getting their hand, pick this up and put it over there. But there is a sense of dignity in that, that we want our kids from the very beginning to begin to experience that there is something about doing something right and well, even a small task that can bring satisfaction particularly if not only we do it well, but then we're taught over time that that's meant to be offered to God as, as a prayer. And, if, and we as parents need to connect those dots for our kids. If we get to where, and I, and I think this is what happens, say, in, in Marx's thought, if we get to where it's just getting the job done because that's what you're supposed to do, no connection to the greater good, no connection to God, no connection, but we're just doing it because I'm telling you to do it. You do it. Then we begin to see why kids don't like chores. They don't understand. They don't understand. And you build into it a, a not a proper understanding of what work is. Work is meant to be done well. And when you do it well, you glorify God, not, not just yourself. And there's more to it than just doing it for the money. There is something about doing it just because it needs to be done. And so I think in, in our, the culture of our homes, it's important to show what St. Joseph obviously showed Jesus. Small example here. Yeah. I'm going to betray uh, how, how not handy I am well, by I'm nature. Not a, goodness gracious. <laughs> but uh, over the weekend, the water line going into our, the toilet in the boys' room was was leaking so you know out of the bottom of the um sorry the tank yeah. was leaking onto the floor Oof. so i diagnosed it and went and got a whole new flush apparatus and i got a new water line and i i'd never done this before never done any kind of toilet repair before and i know that i know listeners that's minor minor plumbing well, i couldn't do it um but i took the I took the flush apparatus and the flapper. I took, drained the toilet water out and took all that apart, put the new one in, even switched it out to a more modern um, flushing system and connected the water line. And, and I, I got it to work, and it, it stopped leaking and wow. no, no disasters. I didn't have to go back and fix anything, you know, do anything again a second time. And... I had such a feeling of accomplishment. Yes. And I felt like a I felt like a good human being. I felt like a good husband. I felt like a good father. I felt like I had, you know, helped out my family. I had I saw that this needed to be done. I just I took it upon myself to to do it and to figure out how to do it. And you know, it was the directions were very clear. Um so man, it was man, and man, it was a matter of following the directions, but nevertheless, I still had to follow the directions and kind of adapt things for the particular circumstance that I had, and that felt that felt great. That made me right. feel in it enlarged my spirit. It lifted my. Um, I was using my mental capacities and my physical capacities, right, together in in a proper for a proper end. Absolutely, and for I was doing it for other people. Right. I mean, that's that's a great example. And I think that's and, and I think probably everybody out there is listening has had a moment where they've done something where at the end they're like, wow, that was it. But it doesn't have to be. A, I mean, that's a major deal for me. Don't get me because <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> well, I thank can you do for it. making me I feel even better. <laughs> but 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 I guess for most, if you if you if you had a plumber that was doing it, they you know, they would knock it out. And yeah, and big deal. They do that every day. Right. I mean, no. We've got to see it for what it is, but that does that that moment of satisfaction, that moment of doing something well, that moment of 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 fixing something for the betterment of your household, for everything, is is part of the big picture of what work is. It's a small example of the fact that we're meant, we were created to work. Even before the fall, we were created to work. That's in that's built into us as humans. Anything that's, that says, that's why, like, say, Mother Teresa, I think, you know, when she's dealing with the poorest of the poor, you know, she knew this. The, uh, this is applied theology. She knew that it was not 
just important to feed the people who were there, but it was important to allow them to participate in the feeding of themselves by providing them with a trade or with something that they could do over time so that they could make it themselves. Not to get get them out of our hair, but, but as a human being saying, you're meant to do this. You're meant to be fruitful and multiply. And so we as parents have got to do, there is a temptation, we've talked about this, to do things for our kids, particularly things that we have to get done for our house, you know, the making of a bed, the cleaning of dishes, whatever it is. And there's a temptation to say, I can do a lot faster than you, get out of my way, and don't, and don't allow them to participate in that culture of all of us are meant to be a participant in that. So if they're not big enough to do that, but maybe to stand there next to you and hand you tools or something like that, then that's something that you would do as a parent to allow them to, in some small way, experience that satisfaction as well. I'm doing something for my family. Mm -hmm. And to build that into the culture, and again, it's like pitching pennies into the deal. It's these little over and over allowing them to make mistakes and allowing them to maybe take, you know, maybe it's going to take 10 minutes longer than you than, than it would be done if you did it yourself. But to build a culture of work is good. Work is something that we're called to do. And in this house, we're, we're serving one another by doing that yeah. work. I think another aspect of this, of this feast day to keep in mind and to try to communicate to our children is it's good and proper for us as Catholics to want to have, for, for us to want to have a world where people have jobs that are dignifying, they are satisfying, that they're satisfying physically, right? They, they provide for themselves and their family. They're secure, but they're satisfying spiritually, right? right. Like we want, we want to, we want a world where Work is satisfying and gratifying and uplifting, not demeaning and um, um, dehumanizing right. for people. We don't we don't want that for people. Right. And so then, the, you know, that brings up all there's all sorts of public policy questions that we don't need to get into. Right. But that just is a general kind of rule of thumb of of helping our our children to to understand that and and value. I think also valuing the the labors of other people that they yes. that they see and not not just um the per, the person who who takes their order at the fast food restaurant the person who picks up their dishes for them at at the sit down restaurant the guys working in the construction trades um janitorial staff right seeing them as people right. when you encounter them. Absolutely. These are not things that are just being done by automatons, and these people are not just there to serve your every whim and need. They are individuals and people with, with dignity who deserve to be respected and, and valued. And people like that, when you work those jobs, need to see yourself as being able to have an impact. I, I've got a – there's a young lady who I won't – And have our names. kids work some of those right. – work those jobs. Right, and, and I, we have a – we have some friends and and this young lady who I, I actually did first communion class years before and just pulled into to Chick-fil-A and I was having one of those moments where it was, everything's weren't going the way I wanted. I was not in a very good mood and we pulled up and it was, you know, the people that stand outside taking mm-hmm. the order, mm-hmm. not, not anything. And she had a smile and she started talking. And by the end of taking the order, I remember looking at her going, you just changed my whole evening. Wow. By the way, by the way, you did. Now, I'm not wow. pointing at myself. I'm pointing to the fact that she really did. Right. By by, so you so somebody who's working right. a job like that, you may think all I'm doing is taking an order. Just by your smile or the way that you talk or or just a kind comment or whatever it is, you don't know how much of an impact. And I wanted her to know that she had she had changed my night. Just by the way she talked with us. She took pride in what she was doing. She took pride in what she and was she doing. Ca- she cared about the people. The customers she was serving weren't just a number. She was approaching them and with that's, dignity. So you don't even know what kind of impact you can have right. doing a just very ordinary job yep. if yep. you'll see it as that. It's not just getting the job done. Right. 
I mean, it is certainly that. She got the order in, and we got the order that we asked for, and it was all good. But on top of that, she, just in her kind words and her smile, changed everything. So I, I think that's another thing we need to encourage our children to recognize, that the way you do something can be can glorify God, and it can have an impact no matter how small that you that you may not see, but you might be amazed at what God can do with just a kind word. And so... This is to let them work a menial task or a job and, and, and have them do it well, but then recognize it is challenging. But we have to, as Catholic Christians, challenge ourselves to see every person I run into is an opportunity. Every person that runs into me, there's an opportunity. I don't know what God is doing, but I always see God at work in that. And so we need to offer our job, our, our, our work, every morning. We've talked about this before. Every morning we should offer all the work that we do for um, to God in union with Jesus. And those thorns and thistles, you know, talking about not just the dignity and that we, don't, we want to do it, but thorns and thistles do come, seeing those as, as little sufferings that we can embrace and offer as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Because we're guaranteed they're going to be there. There's not going to be that perfect job where every day everything goes exactly like you like and every person is somebody that you like being with. And and so we need to do that. I know we're coming to a close here. I don't know. Let's do uh let's do Genesis 2:15. And Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden and to till it and to keep it. I think that that's just a reminder. But anyway, um as always, we want to uh, remind you that uh you want to, as parents, pray, parent with a purpose, and prepare for God to amaze you, and he will. Let's focus on work this week. God bless you guys, and uh, pray for us. We'll be praying for you. Thank you for listening to this local production of Red Sea Catholic Radio. Tune in next week at the same time to hear Trey and Stephanie Cashin share more on the mystery of parenthood.